0: Welcome back to another episode of Sharing Knowledge Series. I'm Kevin Vondra, Chief Lending Officer at Westfield Bank, and your host. What predictions do our experts have for the economy in 2023? And how can you prepare your personal and business finances for the coming year? Keep watching to find out. Welcome to another episode of Sharing Knowledge Series. I'm your host, Kevin Vonderow, and we have two great guests joining us here today. First, we have Brian Toma from uh, Freeman, Heine & Toma, managing partner, and John Park, chairman and founder of Westfield Bank. So, Brian, why don't you talk a little bit about yourself and and, and what you do?
1: Uh, I've been at the firm, interestingly enough, for 21 years, a firm that I now own. We have a great group of colleagues who are highly credentialed with offices throughout the state and service clients in about 32 other states. We're licensed through Cetera Advisors. Um, You'll find on our team, interestingly enough, certified financial planners, accredited investment fiduciaries, exit planning advisors, so we can truly help with any uh, financial planning needs a client may have.
0: John, why don't you tell tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: I'm
2: excited, 23 years
1: ago I got
2: the opportunity to partner with Westfield Insurance to Uh, start a banking venture from a blank sheet of paper Uh, and it's been an exciting journey since our bank has had spectacular growth and we have have a very strong team Uh, and we've helped thousands of businesses along the way Um, and we uh, we really appreciate our relationship and partnership with many of the businesses and i look forward to this podcast each year as we look into the next year to help our give our businesses some thoughts uh, to help them budget for 23.
0: And again, as you mentioned, Brian, um, thank you for coming back. But you guys, this is your third time um, mm-hmm. It's coming back as guests on on the sharing knowledge series. Let's talk about the economic forecast and, and what we're looking forward to in 2023. And so I guess maybe we rehash and talk about some of the things uh, we were discussing in, in two th- at the end of 2021 and looking into 2022. And at that time, we're talking about like inflation, right? Is it transitory or, or not? We're yeah. talking um, you know, like there's a lot of issues with supply chain issues, wage inflation, we're talking about interest rates um, and around predictions there. We, we knew rates had to rise, they're at all time lows, um, but how much were they gonna rise? And, and did we expect them to rise as quickly? Uh, the, the housing market, at, you know, like was was at an all time high, and, and refinance boom was going on. Was that going to continue, and what did it look like for for two thousand twenty two? So, what what's, what's changed since then, since we talked, and and you know, like why, and so,
2: wow, uh, so many things have changed. Um, you know, I I'd like to say it's a little bit of a puzzle piece, and that uh, the pieces are kind of moving around. So we obviously have inflation. Um, we have some. Uh, downward performance in the stock market and the bond market. Jobs are strong, economys economy strong. So it's a little bit of a mixed message in that we have pockets of strength. The U.S. economy is generally doing relatively well, and it was a year ago. Um, but we also uh, had a period of excess stimulus, so the Fed kept interest rates near zero for uh, just about 12 years and had massive stimulus in response to the pandemic. Um, And that, of course, has triggered the inflation that we're experiencing now. So we have a reaction to trying to tame inflation, which is raising interest rates and now shrinking the money supply. Um, So there's a lot lot of moving pieces uh, going on that we didn't see last year. Of course, the conflict with Ukraine would be a black swan event uh, that has disrupted um, economic activity and trade around the world. Um, so we're in a different place uh, than we were a year ago.
1: Definitely, well. Supply chain issues really came about, I think for a major reason at that time. And so we're seeing how, um, how, how vital it is to kind of keep that strong. It was a little weaker than we expected. So mm. we're working through that. We're seeing costs of, of shipping actually coming down. Yeah. Um, we're seeing not all the ships outside the bay, outside the ports in California right. that are waiting. So we've, we've caught up with that. The interesting thing about inflation is that our people are still spending money. Yeah. And so that's, to your point, that's actually a really good sign still. Unemployment is still low. That's a good thing. So so it, it is a mixed message mm-hmm. on on how bad it can get and when it will end and, and kind of go back off to the races. Yeah. I think we're going to see slower growth than we have seen in the past, but that's okay. It's still growth, yeah. and we're working through a lot of Bad news at the moment, and yeah. and um, and we will get through it. We were talking about this before. We think collectively that the U.S. will come out of this probably stronger than we ever expected. It's just going to take some time.
0: Yeah. No, those are all all, all great points, and you mentioned the. Uh the, the mixed messages in, in, in looking at things. And I want to I'll circle back later on and talk about uh, maybe some of the, the key indicators we looked at, because historically they point you in the right direction, but now I don't I don't think you can read the tea leaves like you used to in the past, and, and there's a lot more challenges around that. But first, let, let's talk about uh, government. So so what are some of the things that, that they're doing and, and how is it impacting the economy? For me,
1: I think the Fed failed us in the sense that we should have been raising rates in my opinion in 2021 i think we were running hot and it was fun to watch they're not they shouldn't be there for us to say oh this is fun to watch they're there to protect us mm-hmm. and so they should have been raising rates in my opinion incrementally as far as <clears throat> hey let's slow this down let's cool it off a little bit and that didn't happen so if you think about this before the last 75 basis point rate hike You know we were at the same level as rates as the last rate hike way way back when okay so if you think about how long it took to get to that rate it took three years during this environment it took four months so that's how quickly the fed raised rates which is what cooled things off very quickly so the fed could have done this a lot sooner i don't think we would have felt the valuation impact on the on the nasdaq stocks so you think about tech companies very related to interest rates or inflation. So if you think about that, valuations in those companies came way down, NASDAQ is still hurting. The Dow you mentioned was still up around 34,000. But NASDAQ has a long way to go.
2: Yeah, I'd add a couple things. So a famous economist, Milton Friedman, has said there's only one reason uh, that causes inflation and it's government stimulus, so increasing the money supply. And nobody knew exactly how to respond to the disruptions from the pandemic, but we had uh, the world's largest increase in the money supply in 20 and 21. Um, And now we're paying the price for that because it has triggered inflation, uh, which has caused the Fed's response to try to bring it back down. Um, We also have the Fed was increasing their balance sheet. We called it quantitative easing. And they did it in in a massive way, $10 trillion and now they're starting to shrink that back down. Um, so those policies are having a, uh, a slowing effect on the economy. It's a little bit like if you're you're driving your car and you're going too fast, you need to apply the brakes. Uh, the feds realize that they don't have as much time to brake, so they're braking faster um, than many of us would like, so that is having an impact. Uh, another thing that's different with government policy now is there's there's no discussion about a balanced budget. So we've been in an era, and it's not just the US, it's worldwide, of where deficit spending, but we're just increasing the debt. We just keep uh, issuing more debt. And now with higher interest rates, that's going to become problematic, and nobody's talking about it, but as the government's debt reprices, the percentage of our tax revenue that it takes to pay the interest, Uh, has the potential to go from 8% up to 30% and our government doesn't have enough money to afford to use 30% of the budget to pay interest expense. So that'll be financed with more debt. Um, And at some point in the future, we have to talk about how much debt can the U.S. afford. We just had an example in England where uh, the British government was increasing their debt and there was a crisis with the pound which they seem to have stabilized. But I don't see that happening with the dollar, but it's a little bit of a warning sign in the future that you can only have so much debt as a government.
0: Yeah, and, and you look at some of those foreign countries where their, their debt's higher than GDP, yeah. and, and that's the that's a concerning part. At, at what point do you cross that line uh, around that? Yep. So, so the monetary policy, as, as we discussed, that's really controlling the money supply yeah. and, and the government doing that to really help manage the economy. Um, and the increases in rates are, are, are happen so quickly, but how long does it really take, or, or is it the impact that the economy feels when, once they make those changes? I mean, it's not right away. It's something that takes over time historically. Yeah, it'll
2: it'll take a number of years. One thing that happens when rates are low, especially for a long period of time, is leverage. So it, it's a it's a profitable trade to borrow very low invest like the stock market you can multiply your returns so you have things like hedge funds that are playing the game of leverage and others um, well with higher rates it makes leverage more risky and less profitable so you start to see the leverage start to unwind um, last year i talked in our session about kind of a risk on risk mm-hmm. off cycle so risk on is buy everything you can and borrow money uh, and now with higher rates we flip to a risk off cycle uh, which is starting to, people are deleveraging and realizing that some assets like investing in Chinese commercial real estate is a lot riskier than they thought. Uh, so the values are coming down. Uh, so I see we're going to have more deleverage going into 23, which is going to be a headwind for, sure. for asset values.
1: Yeah. When you think about all that's happening and you think about the risk, to your point, that's that's out there, you know, we've heard the saying, I think it was Warren Buffett that said, you know, when the tide goes out, you can see who's swimming naked. And we're starting to see that in the business sector. We're starting to see that as inflation and interest rises, we're seeing the risky business models. A lot of stories are coming out, you know, but these businesses are starting to fail and have major, major impact on the economy. When yeah. it has that kind of impact, it has an impact on sentiment. Sentiment drives the market, right? So if people are feeling good, they tend to buy more things and invest. Uh, the University of Michigan uh, Consumer Sentiment Index, so that's an indicator yeah. that we look at. Um, the low point hit around June, so it's actually starting to tick back up. Yeah. Um, I would submit we still have more bad news ahead of us sure. as the interest rates rise. Um, so we'll see how it plays out. but. Deleveraging and de-risking is not a bad thing at the moment. No.
2: It's a natural rebalancing, so you need to have it to cleanse the markets periodically.
1: Mm-hmm. And if you think about interest rate hikes as well, we don't know, to your point, if if this is too much or not enough until it's over
0: or too soon, right? And, or or too mean, soon or impact. too quickly. Well, and it's yeah. funny. So, in like, in controlling inflation, they're, they're going through the different. Lovers are able to pull and, and we we keep hearing about a soft landing a hard landing or, or stagflation or as they're looking to control inflation so maybe talk about what each one means and and where do you see us heading are we heading towards a more of a hard landing than, than not so
2: yeah i mean i'll speak for the for the us so i uh, my opinion is it's not going to be a painful recession but it's going to be a slow long recession so uh, these things are going to take a while to work through the system. Um, it could be up to two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're probably going to start in a recession sometime in the first half of 23. Again, I don't think it's going to be overly painful, but I, I think it's going to last for a while. So uh, there's the term stagflation. I don't know that I'd say it's stagflation, but it's a little bit of a, a slow malaise that's going to persist for some period of time. Um, um, which i don 't think it'll, i, I don 't think it 'll be terrible
1: yeah. yeah, so if you want to throw out a term, I think stagflation may be the closest thing to use, uh, but to your point, I think it is going to be slower. We are seeing growth, we are seeing inflation, but the inflation that we 're seeing is actually kind of normal <laughs> costs of things, so we 're so used to interest being zero yeah. no. that we think that this is just um, Abnormal, and it's not in the grand scheme of things. If you look back in time, so it feels because we got here so quickly, it it feels like a knee jerk, and it is. But we're not in a bad place. We're in a place I think that we should be at. We just got here a little too quickly. Sure. Uh, so if I if you if you said
0: pick one, I would say stagflation, but I would I think it's going to be a little bit longer. So let's talk about the key indicators. Um, we say it's a mixed bag, and I, I know it's 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 hard to say, what do you look at? I mean, there are different indexes and, and, and indicators to watch. Um, I don't know, what are, what are some of the things that as consumers we should look at, at or do we look at everything? I know we were talking earlier. Jared.
2: Yeah, well, there's the 10 leading indicators that's that's at common. I, I mean, a couple things, and I, I said this in the broadcast last year, is um, when you look at GDP, I like to look at the dollars of GDP, not the percentage change in GDP. So they'll say, you know, we're in the fourth quarter, we're going up 4.4%. Well, are we, or do we have more money uh, than we did previously? And the answer is yes, we do. Uh, so GDP and total dollars has gone up. So I'd like to watch that. Uh, the same with unemployment and and the unemployment number, they'll, they'll give you ratios and it's up this and that. I like to look at how many US people are employed. What's the total dollar and is it Total number of people, and is it going up? So I watch that. Um, inflation rate, consumer spending. You know, I would say, um, I wouldn't say this for every year, but next year, I would say the stock market performance is probably going to be one of the best barometers of how the economy is doing. So if you just kind of, and it'll bounce around, no. and, you know, but I think that's going to be the year we, that we see. Yeah. But
1: that's sentiment, right? People have to feel good. About investing, and that's it, when you're having those conversations. I was on a walk in my neighborhood, and I ran into a neighbor, and he said, "I can't take it anymore. I'm out." Ah. And I said, "Well, you just called the bottom, because the moment that people like you get out yeah. is the moment where it's probably time to start thinking about getting back in, right? Yeah. Yeah. So be a little bit more greedy, you know, when people are fearful. So I think we're getting to that point where." And you have to understand about the stock market it's a leading economic indicator it tends to lead us into bad times and lead us out right so it's going to turn around before perhaps we are in a recession or out of it right so so it's an interesting time that it gets to the point where you look at valuations and companies and no matter what's going on in the world you could say this is a really good buy Mm -hmm. and so we're seeing that sentiment is actually ticking up a little bit If you want to look at something fun, look at the Big Mac index. (laughs) And so you can Google it or we can put a link on here. But if you check that out, that actually gives you an idea of the price of Big Macs in the United States compared to other countries all over the world and if their currencies are overvalued or undervalued. And so that's a kind of a neat way to see where the countries line up just based on the price of a Big Mac. Sometimes all the you know the ISM index and all these indexes get a little overwhelming. Mm-hmm. You got to make it fun once in a while. So check that out. That's kind of an interesting way to to look at it. And to our point earlier, it's it's really tough to look at it and say we don't have ten indicators that point down. You know? Yeah, unemployment looks actually terrific. We still have two jobs for every worker looking for a job. So there's opportunities out there that that do point to. Um, this is going to be a mild recession. I do think we're going to enter a recession, though.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it, it's funny you guys are both talking about recession as in the future. Some might say we already went through or, or experienced a, a recession, and, and depending, I guess, on what the definition of a recession is, because it seems like that's evolving mm-hmm. too. It Was two quarters of shrinking in, in, in your GDP, and, and it felt like we kind of we went through that, and then yeah. but then it's like no, it's it's got to be continuous instead of. The, the, the two quarters. So I don't. If you guys have any comments around that, and, and just maybe the, the change in the definition around recession,
1: I'm not going to tackle that one. <laughs> uh, uh, but that's historically what it's been: two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. The challenging part is, I think I agree. I agree with you. We were in that moment. Yeah. However, they came back and revised the GDP to positive. Yeah. Right. So it kind of pulled us out of that. At least the thought process that we are in one. Um, the, the challenging part with those is they're they're backward looking, right. right? So the moment that you think that you're in a recession, you actually might already be out of it by the time that you realize you're in it. And so, and that's the thing. That's the situation with interest rates: is how quickly do we have to raise rates to get us out to, of a point that we might already be out of? And I think that's where we lie at the moment. So. I'm not going to change the definition. I still like the old one. It's worked, yeah.
0: um,
1: uh, but it's it's it is rough out there.
2: Yeah, I might take a little bit different take on it. So, you know, at the moment we have pretty strong GDP growth, so that would suggest we're not in a recession. We have pretty strong jobs, low unemployment. Um, but if you look at, there's all kinds of other indicators, and it's not the government definition. Um, But some of the others, like an inverted yield curve, we do have it now. It's Mm -hmm. been around for a little bit of time. In uh, comparing 2022 to 2021, inventories have grown faster than sales growth. That historically is a recession indicator. And there's others, so you could say the stock market and bond market performance, those are suggesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's lots of mixed indicators. Uh, but we're starting to see more of them point towards a recession is coming up sometime soon. Um, but as we've been talking, we're, we're entering with a position of strength, which should make it a little bit more mild than we've typically seen. But, uh, but if you kind of add up, say, 10 different things, more of them are pointing
1: recession than not. And to add to that, retail sales, Still great. They're strong. Yeah. They're, they're, so they're strong. Um, they're coming down a little bit, but still strong in the grand scheme of things. Inventories are rising. That's deflationary. Yeah. Right? So yeah. so it's it's kind of a push pull when you have this conversation. I think next year will be a very interesting conversation.
0: So as as we talk about that um, and, and look forward to twenty three, I know what do you see? I know John, you mentioned. Uh, recession first half of, of 23. what else do you see happening in 23
2: yeah in 23 so I'd say the, the current risk of recession is 70%. Mm-hmm. I, my opinion is it'll start uh, in the first half. Um, I see continued rise in interest rates. Um, the, the Fed is hitting the brakes harder than everybody would like. so I think we're going to the current projections are the f- rates will go up another one and a quarter percent from here. Uh, which I think means we're going to end up with a prime rate over 8%. Wow. Um, you know, sometime early next year. Um, so I see that happening. The higher rates are also impacting affordability. So if you take an average homebuyer's mortgage, the average size of a house and a mortgage, uh, it is decreased purchasing power um, approximately a hundred thousand dollars. Uh, for the average buyer, so it costs another $1,000 a month in interest expenses because rates are higher, which means they can only afford a house less than 100. Uh, That's going to, it's starting, but I think it'll accelerate and also happen in commercial real estate because if you have to pay more on the debt service for commercial real estate, I think we're gonna see some valuations coming down. Uh, The Fed has done its own model on uh, housing prices, and they believe given their projections of rates, that housing prices could come down 20% next year. And that sounds like a lot. Um, So I see some uh, some of the asset prices coming down next year. Uh, When you have a recession, historically speaking, unemployment goes up 2%. So I would say that is probably what's going to happen in this cycle, as we will see unemployment rise uh, a bit from here. As Brian mentioned, we currently have two job openings for every unemployed person. So we do have some capacity in the system to absorb that. Uh, but we'll probably see a little bit of dislocation there.
1: Okay. So, And we right. talk about uh, housing. If, if you think about, you know, 07, 08, 09 and the housing crisis and what was going on then, uh, it's a little bit different now. What's different is it's about 90% of mortgages out there right now are fixed rate. So over the last... Over a decade of historically low interest rates, people have actually done a terrific job with their banks and their mortgage brokers to say, "Hey, let's refinance. Let's lock in this rate, mm-hmm. whether it, whether it be a 15-year or a 30-year fixed." So, what made 07, 08, 09 a little bit more difficult was it was a higher interest rate environment. Things were resetting, right? And so you had those one, three, five, seven, ten-year arms that really, they exist right now, but they weren't sold or used as much in the last 10 years. And so we have people that own their homes that are in a better environment at the moment. And now you're going to see a flip a little bit. As interest rates rise where we're at today, you're going to see adjustable rate mortgages kind of come back into it. We're seeing it Um, now. We're seeing it now. But the banks have done, in my opinion, a really good job of making it doing their due diligence on their mortgages mm-hmm. so if you fog a mirror you can't just go get a mortgage anymore mm-hmm. you really have to prove that you can pay for it mm-hmm. and so even if adjustable rate mortgages come back a little bit it's not going to be like 07 08 no i don't think so either yeah
0: so as we talk about 23 and in what we think is going to happen what advice are you giving clients i mean what can Tell business owners and and individuals how to react and and perform and some of the things they should do. Yeah, so I've talked about this every year. I'm a
1: big proponent when I counsel our clients. you got to have a dream team. You have to have a a team that's rowing in the same direction as you, professionals, because you can't go it alone. Whether you're an individual, business owner, whoever it may be, um, you need to surround yourself by professionals that you believe in, trust in and they know your goals. So I would encourage you, get a good banker, get a good CPA, get a good attorney, get a good investment advisor. And it's okay that they're all different people. You know, you can't be jack of all trades, master of none. So you want to make sure that you're working with somebody um, who, like I said, is rowing in the same direction. So get a dream team. And also, with the market down as much as it is, it's 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 a very difficult and uncomfortable feeling when you look at your portfolio in your statement, even if it's on paper, wow, this, this Mm -hmm. is a meaningful impact. And at the moment, there's been nowhere to hide in the sense that stocks are down, bonds are down, bonds, sometimes as much down as stocks at the moment. So that protective capability that they usually provide wasn't there. And so I would say, If you don't have a plan, get a plan and have your advisor stress test your portfolio. You should know the risks that you can afford to take. That's really important so that you can go through times like this and say, we tested a bad time like this and it's it's going to be okay. The people who haven't tested it feel very uncomfortable in times like this. So I would say, get a plan, make sure your professionals or your dream team in your life really understand what your goals are whether it's to start a business, exit a business, retire comfortably, whatever it may be, just make sure you have a plan and you stick to it.
2: I mean, building on that, I think the message might be stay the course. Um, So I mentioned asset values adjusting and so forth. Uh, Mentally, it has an effect of, there's what we call the wealth effect, and when things go down, you start to feel a little bit more Mm -hmm. negative. I'd say it's probably temporary, so I'd say stay the course, don't get too worked up about it. Um, you know, on the flip side of that, I guess I'd advise businesses, um, cash is king, we've all heard that, uh, that saying. Uh, so the, the more cash and liquidity you can have going into 23, I think there's going to be some great bargain purchase options, whether you're buying investments or you buy out a competitor, you launch a new product line. I think it'll be one of the best years we will see to make investments because you'll be able to make them at a lower basis. Uh, So, I'd offer that. Um, Another piece of advice is is we've seen friction with China, uh, with trade. Um, I I don't have a clear future, but I'd say it's more likely to continue than not. So I would encourage businesses to think about their risk exposure to China from either sales or from a supplier base and maybe make up backup arrangements. Think about should you reshore things back to North America. Um, could be a good thing to think about. From a risk management standpoint, I'd suggest uh, being a banker, we're seeing a noticeable increase in check fraud and um, account hacks, uh, cybersecurity hacks. Uh, And of course, they're they're usually uh, trying to do that to banks. Fortunately, we have really good systems uh, but customer accounts, are, we're starting to see more breaches or more fraudulent checks. So one of the best things you can use to protect yourself is called positive pay. If you don't have it, I'd suggest you talk to your banker to help prevent uh, losses. We're seeing uh, generally on a weekly basis, um, account takeovers and password um, you know, problems and things like that. Companies are losing yeah. money. Uh, So, I'd say shore up your own uh, risk. Um, Last thing I would mention is there's a long-forgotten banking product. Since interest rates have been zero, many of us have not been thinking about cash sweep. Now that interest rates have gone up, if you're carrying a uh, a decent balance in your business um, deposit accounts, I would uh, ask your banker about activating the cash sweep feature because you can start to earn meaningful interest income on your deposit balances. So, so those will be a couple of things that come to mind.
0: No, those are, those are great points. And, and I think the important thing is, um, is consumers and, and business owners, you, you need to take advantage of those tools and products that your bank provides you because there's a lot of, a lot of them there to help protect and, and serve you and alert you. Yeah. On, on issues, and it's so easy just to set them up. So that's a that's a great point and, and topic is, if anything, make sure, and Brian, you mentioned work with your partners, right, and, Absolutely. and all of your partners, and, and I think that's key. Now, is there anything, we, we talked about a lot of different things today, is there anything else that you would like to bring top of mind to, to our viewers that we haven't touched?
2: I mean, I'd I'd suggest a couple of things. Um, The market currently, we're obviously in an increasing interest rate environment. The markets like to think the Fed is going to decrease interest rates sometime soon. Uh, I think higher rates are going to be around longer than we think. So I'd encourage businesses and consumers to kind of re-acclimate to a higher interest rate environment. Historically over the history of the United States, it's not unusual but we've been in this 12-year period of time where we've, we've had this excess stimulus. So, so I would think about reacclimating your businesses and your pricing and your financing to a higher rate environment uh, would be one. Another one that comes to mind is because of the higher rates that we're seeing, and again, I think they're gonna be around longer than not, uh, we've enjoyed a 35-year bull bond market where interest rates were generally going down and inexpensive. I think we have, we've had a cycle change and we're now in a, a period of time when they're going to be going up. I don't think it's gonna be radical, but we're not going to have kind of the wind behind the sales of this bull market and bonds. Uh, so I guess I'd encourage businesses to, to contemplate uh, that as well. So those will be a couple things.
1: Okay. Yeah, same message. You know, in times like this, we can't control you know, the ISM index, we can't control, you know, all of these um, indicators, right? We can control what we can control and that's how we react to things. And so if you're a business owner, I agree with you, dry dry powder is a really big deal. Um, You're gonna have to raise wages, right? So that's gonna impact your bottom line. Um, You have to rethink through other additional costs, cybersecurity, you have to ramp up that, that investment. Um, continue talking with your partners. This is a uh, making lemonade out of lemons kind of uh, time period, right? Yeah. So you want to make lemonade out of lemon, you want to plant the seeds. And that's an optimal time. Talk with your banker, talk, talk with your banker, mm-hmm. talk with your investment advisor, talk with your CPA. So tax planning is vital right now. It's not what you make, it's what you get to keep. And so there's a lot of strategies that you could be doing at this moment, converting IRAs to Roth IRAs, paying taxes now, which doesn't sound good. But when you have the market down 15, 20, 30%, depending on the index, that's a really neat strategy to look at tax-free growth thereafter. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of things that your dream team can kind of help pull together for you if you have one.
2: So maybe to build on that, I think we said it earlier, but the advice would be stay the course. And although we're probably going into recession, the US economy is probably going to come out even stronger.
0: Good. That's good information I, and, and messages I think our, our audience is really gonna appreciate uh, hearing from both of you. Well, I wanna thank you both again for for joining us. This is the third time and it's one of my favorite episodes to do. So thank you both again. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, good to thank be you.
2: With
0: you. Yeah. Sharing Knowledge is brought to you by Westfield Bank. Hosted by Kevin Vondro, Chief Lending Officer. From the imagination and creativity of Chris Van Osdale, Erica Bailey, Suzanne Favre, Corinne Wilson, Kartika Caffey, the marketing and communication strategist at Westfield Bank. Produced, edited, and mixed by Shark and Minnow. Learn more at westfield-bank.com SKS. Sharing knowledge and shedding light on the financial industry to empower financial freedom.
3: The sharing knowledge series of videos podcast episodes and articles are for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as legal tax financial investment accounting or regulatory advice opinions expressed and in third-party information shared herein do not reflect the opinions of westfield bank westfield group or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates The information shared does not constitute nor is intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any product or service. Testimonials may not be representative of the experience of other customers and are not guarantees of future performance or success. Bank products and services provided by Westfield Bank, member FDIC, an equal opportunity lender. Investment products are not FDIC insured, are not bank guaranteed, may lose value, are not a deposit, are not insured by any federal or state government agency. Westfield Bank does not provide legal advice. Securities and advisory services offered through Citera Advisors, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, a broker-dealer and registered investment advisor. Citera is under separate ownership from any other named entity. Freeman heine and FHT Advisors are registered trade names of Freeman heine LLC, an Ohio limited liability company.